I don't know what possessed me. Perhaps some evil gluttony demon. But I watched the annual hot dog eating contest yesterday on Coney Island. Maybe because Melanie Collins hosted it. She's so hot, but uh, otherwise it was a debacle. Disgusting. Absolutely devoid of dignity. And the winner only gets 10K. That Joey Chestnut guy who's won it like 10 times now, but that's only because they barred Kobayashi because he wouldn't sign an exclusive deal to eat only their hot dogs, I suppose. But 10K, come on, to eat and choke and gulp and sweat and get shown doing it on TV, on YouTube forever, and you only get 10K? Come on. And they don't really eat hot dogs. They deconstruct the hot dogs, dip the buns in water, etc. That's not a hot dog. You're not eating a hot dog. Keep the dog intact. How about some mustard and relish, kraut, onions, chili cheese? That's a hot dog, and that would be a contest. As it is, it's just stupid. Hey, Coney Island hot dog eating contest. Guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing, a name you could trust. For all your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning needs, dial 412-367-0815. Matt Mertz is the cure for the common plumber. Double M on the X. It's our first uh, show since the Penguins dealt with free agency that kicked off Saturday. And a lot of guys left, and only one guy of note, well, two guys came in. Kunitz, Hainsey, Daly, and Benino are gone. Matt Hunwick, left-handed defenseman from Toronto. He's in on a three-year deal. Anti Niemi, a one-year deal at 700 k to be the number two goalie. That's very affordable, and for what the Penguins need Niemi to do, he'll be just dandy. Some people got their... Knickers in a twist on Twitter and on other radio shows because Niemi was terrible last year in Dallas. Yeah, maybe he'll be good this year in Pittsburgh, or at least better. Maybe there was a bad situation for him. Maybe this can be a good situation. There is scouting beyond the stats, you know. That's how you get players at a good value, because you scout beyond the stats which the Penguins, uh, and really every NHL team, they scout beyond the stats. If it was just about the stats, you or I could be a GM. I know most of you think you can be, but you couldn't because you're morons. Miami will be fine, and if he's not, it's only 700 k Ditch him, call up Jari, go get somebody else, but uh, I bet Miami is just fine. Now, the Hunwick signing, and by the way, he's an easy fit. Moves the puck decent. Can play either side, although he prefers the left, which is kind of what steers the ship when it comes to what I'm about to talk about. And I'm told Hunwick will play the left. He'll either partner up with Schultz or Latang. I think that's how the coaches see him. So you got four left-sided defensemen. Unless you move Cole to the right side. 
Who do you trade? You're all going to say Mata. I don't know about that. He signed through 2021. That's cap certainty with Mata. He's making four mil, and that seems like a lot, but he's a 22-year-old defenseman who's already won two Stanley Cups. He's just now getting over all the physical problems he's had. I think he's going to get better. And even if he maintains, at some point, that contract really does become a bargain. Do you trade Cole? I'm a big Cole fan. I'm sure you are too. But Cole only has one year left on his deal, and then he's gone because he's going to get more dough than he deserves, just like Kunitz, Hainsey, Daly, and Benino. Doomwood's not going anywhere, not for a long time. So if you trade a defenseman to get that third-line center, which I'm not sure is necessary, but if you do, I think they trade from that glut at wing they have, but if you do trade a D, if you've got a stack of D and a forward together to get the center you want, what D goes? What could you get for, say, Mata and Sheary? Or Cole and Sheary? Then again, look at all the defensemen the Penguins have had to use in these last two playoffs. Maybe you want Hunwick and Cole and Mata and Dumoulin and Latang and Ruedel and Schultz. And maybe one more on top of that, because you can never have enough D. Your thoughts on any of this, 412-333-9939. I love going on Twitter and seeing people cry because Kunitz is gone. Oh, Cooney's been here so long. My kids wear his jersey. I met his wife and she was so nice. And I met Cooney's wife too, and she is very nice. And Cooney was a loyal soldier here in Pittsburgh. And he did great. He won three cups. That gives him four in his career. I bet he never imagined what he might accomplish when he started out as a professional hockey player, let alone when he started playing hockey as a kid. But he's a bottom six winger. Tampa offered him more than the Penguins were willing to pay or should have paid. And now he's gone, and that's that. And someday he'll come back for a reunion, and we'll all welcome number 14. But... uh, The bottom half of your roster in a capped league has to be interchangeable. Not should be interchangeable. Not it's better if it's interchangeable. It absolutely has to be interchangeable. Kuna scored nine goals. Ryan Reeves had more hits. Maybe he can replace the hits and somebody else scores nine goals. You didn't lose Gordie Howe in his prime. You lost Chris Kunitz down near the end. And boy, that goal against Ottawa to win that series... Terrific. We'll never forget it. But you have to be cold and pragmatic and not at all emotional in situations like this if you're Penguins management. And Jim Rutherford has shown a marked dedication to doing that, which you got to give him credit for because that's how you win multiple cups. And Jim Rutherford, boy, after a rocky start here in Pittsburgh, he's won two. He won one in Carolina where who'd have thought you could ever win a Stanley Cup down Tobacco Road. Jim Rutherford has had one heck of a year as an executive in the National Hockey League. But, of course, without these last two years, ain't nobody would be saying that. But these last two years did indeed occur. We've been talking about all kinds of goofy stuff today about cutoff jean shorts on on young hot girls. 
This girl at the bottle shop, she's new. I don't even know her name. She had these jean shorts that were cut way up when I was there the other night. And she she's a rookie. She's not even waiting tables. She was bussing tables. And boy, when she would lean over to get the dishes from the other side of the table, oy vey, it was magnificent. And don't blame me for looking. Girls wear those outfits so guys look. Is it objectification if the wearer of jean shorts cut way up there wants to be objectified? I don't think so, Joel. And in that vein, I'm heading to the bottle shop tonight, and I hope she's wearing the same cut-off jean shorts, and I may even find out what her name is this time. 412-333-9939 is the number. At the bottom of the hour, we got Deja. Oh, you know, I should take an informal survey. I talked before how I hate summer drinks. I talked about, I saw mango vodka at a place the other night. Who in the frig, what kind of sissy Mary would drink mango vodka? And then I see, I can't think of an example right now, all kinds of different flavors of beer. Like what, peach beer, stuff like that. Why can't beer just be beer? I'm Mark Madden, 1059. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hi, Dylan, how are you? We got the clap, can't be beat. Got it off the back of a toilet seat. The X at 105.9. Aerosmith is on the European leg of what is allegedly their farewell tour. Arovadurchi, Europe. But uh, I don't buy that. They're already talking about how they might play beyond that, they don't know, blah, blah, blah. You know, Aerosmith ticket sales in the U.S. haven't been great, uh, except for certain cities, which is why they've toured the U.S. sporadically. So maybe they feel they need the uh, lure of a farewell tour to get people out. Uh, I love Aerosmith. I see them as much as I possibly can. Uh, I think they're America's greatest rock and roll band. Uh, Scott Mervis of the Post-Gazette, the rock critic, uh, had a poll about to pick America's greatest rock and roll band. Uh, Springsteen got picked, which in my mind totally invalidates the poll, but that's what's great about music. There's, I'm not even sure it's to be judged. If you like it, you like it. Buy the record and listen. Buy the record, boy. I certainly dated myself there, didn't I? You know, go to the concert, but it's, I'm not sure it's to be rated. But since Scott asked, I think the two best American rock bands ever are Aerosmith and Van Halen. And I don't even think Scott put the Eagles on the pole. I don't know how you don't put the Eagles on the pole. They're just a monster-selling band. I I think, are they the biggest-selling band of all time? If not, they're really, really close. But my, my top three would be Aerosmith, Van Halen, and then I would put the Beach Boys, believe it or not, because their inventiveness, their track record, the body of work done, it is absolutely outstanding i can't wait for aerosmith to get to the u.s uh i hope they use the same set list i just put that out on twitter they're playing uh two seldom played but two of my very favorite songs uh chip away the stone and let the music do the talking as in how's it go 
I'm a real fine dancer. I'll be cutting the rug. Got a brand new baby. She's my brand new drug. I got one for the money, two for the show, three for my honey, and four to let you know that I'll let the music do the talking. And Perry on slide. Anytime Perry's on slide, that's a song worth playing. No doubt about that. Uh, Aerosmith, to my mind, the greatest American rock band ever. I keep getting these tweets. And we'll talk to Dejan about this when he is in studio in about 10 minutes. I keep getting these tweets. Put Duchesne at third line center. Trade for him. Break the mold. Okay, uh, I know everybody wants to hearken back to the glory days of HBK. And that line kind of did break the mold. Not at center, but with Phil Kessel being the third line right wing. It worked once. It didn't work again. You know how I know? Because they didn't do it this past playoffs, and yet somehow they still won. Benino is a third-line center. Duchesne would need convinced. And I'm sorry, I hear enough about Duchesne, not that he's a bad guy, but if he came to Pittsburgh, was a third-line center, and wasn't on the top power play, he wouldn't be pleasant for the coaching staff to deal with. That's what I hear anyway. Don't always assume it's about winning. That's not what it's all about for every single player. So I keep saying with Matt Duchesne, and I don't believe for a second any talks have taken place between Pittsburgh and Colorado. Uh, I just think Jim Rutherford is going to see this the way I do. I don't see Duchesne as a fit. Not at all. I don't want to pay my third-line center $6 million. 412-333-9939. We got Dejan next, and uh, ask Mark anything after that. You know what is tremendous? How the Paterno people have shut up. Not the Paternos themselves, Sue. Uh, even after the Pernos withdrew their lawsuit against the NCAA, Sue said, this doesn't mean the NCAA didn't lie, that they're not corrupt, yada, yada. Well, if the NCAA did lie, and they aren't corrupt, and they are corrupt, rather, then, then leave your lawsuit in play. But the Paternos didn't want a certain discovery by the NCAA to come to light, which would have implicated Joe and what he knew and when he do it, I'm told, even more deeply. So the Paternos just need to go away. They just need to go away. Even their usual mouthpieces have shut up on this one. The Paternos need to go the frig away. Dejan up next, 105.9 The X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, Mark, big fan. You get a bunch of dorks, dinks, and twits. Is this Mark Madden? My mouth is watering just talking about it. The X at 105.9. Joining me now in studio, from DKPittsburghSports.com, it's Serbian reactionary Dejan Kovacevic. Uh, Dejan, Kutch is on a tear. Should the Pirates extend Andrew McCutcheon? Why or why not? Ideally, you'd trade him. Ideally, you would... Offer him up to all of Major League Baseball this time of year and see what you can get. If not now, then you would do it later in the winter. Ideally, I wouldn't trust this management team to make that trade. Well, what, what's your argument wouldn't. against keeping him, I guess, is my next question. My Because argu- I would extend him, and we'll talk about potential terms in a minute, but I, I would try. My argument against keeping him is that this team is ill-equipped to go anywhere for the foreseeable future. The The dark and dirty secret of this organization right now is that there's nothing coming, Mark. Nothing. 
And these guys have been at the helm now for 10 years, have had 10 drafts, and have produced nothing other than the guys who signed at number one or number two overall. Now, does that mean you strip it bare and, and hit rock bottom? You know what? I would agree with stripping bare if you're including the front office. Uh, well, again, they're not. Again. Because don't forget, the front office is running it exactly like ownership wants. Uh, it probably is at this point. You know, it wasn't for a while. Uh, they they weren't always on the same page, but Bob Nutting's really become complicit in a lot of the stuff that they do. And believe me, he's the tail and they're the dog. Oh, well, he's the owner. I'm just telling you, that's how it is. Now, uh, where you ask about Kutch, I don't think this team's going anywhere, and I don't, I don't think that – I think that in an ideal situation where you have a real live management team in place that knows how to execute more than one good trade every three years, you would trust them to go out and get you real value for Andrew McCutcheon. Okay, let's say that you would be willing to retain Kutch. Yep. Let's let's put that on the table anyway. Okay. What would you pay him to keep him? What what would you what would you give him in terms of length and in terms of money? Well, y- you wouldn't really have that decision up to you. I mean, it's going to be up to to Kutch and his agent well, to well, look no, the, of, the whole of course, market. But where would you max out before you tell him Sayonara? You know, I think again. I can't get past the idea that I would just rather trade him if I'm the Pirates. Okay, let's pretend. I, you know, let, let's pretend you wouldn't rather trade him. <laughs> okay, since you're insisting, no, look, we're, he's going to get 14 next year. So your price tag starts with there. This, he's not nearly old enough to have some kind of backward, uh, you know, decline there in his in his value. Oh no, I mean, my, his, my, at least my, not in his price tag. I would try to get him for three years, 54 mil. Yeah, you could do something like that. And I'd go as high as three years, 20 mil. The funny thing that happened this year, Mark, is that the idea that Kutch was disposable, that he was just somebody that you could just, eh, we can just move him and it's no big deal. Well, he wiped that out in six weeks, though. He wiped it out. He's not the only one that wiped it out. Okay, Marte was going to be your left fielder, or Austin Meadows, the prospect, was going to be your left fielder. Marte goes and cheats, Polanco goes in the dumps, and uh, Austin Meadows hasn't done much in Indianapolis. Now, no, you're right about all that, and that kind what of, happened to the best outfield in baseball? Well, I would keep Kutch. Well, Polanco just stinks. We'll get to him in a minute. Uh, I'd keep Kutch for two reasons: a, you can't just let all your good players walk away all the time, and b. On this team, you can't trust anybody else. Marte, Cole, Polanco, Gung, a lot of Pirates have let the people down recently. You can keep Kutch if you keep him for the reason that you need that anchor of stability. However, the price tag that we're talking about here is such that you do that sort of thing if you're a contender. I just don't think they're going to be that for a long while. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, if I were them, I would look at attendance plummeting. Yep. And I think Kutch staying would be a goodwill gesture that would sell a whole lot of ducats. Then again, they will look at attendance plummeting and go in the totally opposite direction. Like we've got to cut payroll. Yeah, or because remember, which comes first, the horse or the card here? They want to see the stadium full, and then they say they're going to commit to payroll. Remember, too, by the way. Well, they lied when they said that. Well, you want another one? How about back on in mid-May when Neil Huntington said right after Starling Marte's suspension when he was asked what they would do with the money that they would save from half of Marte's salary and all of Jung Ho's salary, he said, oh, yeah, we're looking forward to putting that right back into baseball. Yeah, we've seen that. Now, uh, Kutch was bad for a year, basically, and he's been hot for six weeks. How do you weigh the two? What means more? Because the- Do you feel like he's back or that this is temporary? Here's why I think that what he's doing is legit 
is what fixed it both times, not just this year, Mark. In fairness, his last two months of last season were very productive. They just weren't as high profile because, you know, the season had long well, and since And they weren't been over. as productive as these last six no, weeks either. But what's brought him back in both occasions, and I had a good talk with him last week at PNC Park about this, has been something as simple as the mechanics of his torso movement. It's not that he... Uh, originally he was fading or getting weaker or slowing down or showing age or anything, he messed up something mechanically with his swing. He and Jeff Branson, the hitting coach, worked together. Uh, Kutch got some uh, good confidence-type advice from Clint Hurdle as to how to take his approach into the box every night, and it's worked for him. When you fix something like that that's just mechanically, that lets you know that that's actually the player at his default mode. We're talking today, John Kovacevic from DKPittsburghSports.com. He's brought to you by Matthew's Wall Anchor Service. We'll get you out of the fix you're in. Be sure to visit wallanchor.com. Um, Garrett Cole is pitching tonight. Why does he suck now? He's given up home runs. And it, this is one of those funny okay, things. Okay, why is he giving up home he's runs? He's given up home runs because he's up in the zone and because his fastball is too straight and too visible to the batter. At too many times. That indeed sounds crippling. It sure does. And when he's up, it, the thing's going to get belted. Now, that said, when Cole was going real well, uh, not all that long ago, he had not only a good command of his fastball and kept it down in the zone, but he was also mixing up his off-speed stuff, especially a slider and getting guys to swing over it and looked very, very effective and calm. When he's not that, he's up in the zone, and it goes a long way. you know. And actually, Mark, this goes back... Uh, with Cole all the way back to his UCLA days. I mean, he's always been able to throw hard, always had great stuff, but when he gets in trouble, he's up in the zone. How much does his lack of maturity and just going to pieces so frequently out there, the argument with Hurdle in the dugout the other night, how much does that contribute to him struggling? I don't I don't see Cole as a lack of maturity guy. I really don't. Really? Uh, yeah, you know what he is? How about when he like pounds the dirt in front of the is, mom? He is that guy. How about guy, when he yells at the manager? He is that guy. When he is out there, he is in such hyper-competitive mode. Um, he's a very different person one of every five days. I can tell you that unequivocally. Uh, he goes into a different mindset. Uh, something flares with him. More often than not, it benefits him. So I, I wouldn't want to take that away. Is it a good look to be barking at your manager in the dugout? No, never. But you, you never know what brings those things up. Now, what's your take on what the Penguins have done and who they've lost since NHL free agency started uh, this past Saturday? My takeaway in the broadest sense, and this is after expressing all the requisite respect for these guys and everything that they've accomplished here, is that it's a good thing that the Penguins somehow, some way, are going to get younger. And if that required four guys walking away as unrestricted free agents, that's fine by me. I don't know that you're going to get an exact replacement for Nick Bonino, who's going to be the guy that's most difficult to replace, the one that Jim Rutherford is most eagerly looking to do that with. But I do know that you're going to bring back a fresher, faster, probably younger overall roster, and that's not optional this winter. It's just not. Is uh, Hunwick a top four? Because I'm told he's going to get a good look as partner for either Latang or Schultz. All things being relative, he might be with this group, right? And it might have to do more with pairings. Yes. Yeah, and and and, 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 and the fact that he can play 25 minutes. I think that's a. I think that's going to be a bigger deal than anything. And the other aspect of this, Mark, is that when Chris Latang comes back, and here this is almost a separate conversation, but not really. 
The idea that he is a number one defenseman and therefore must be out there for 27, 28 minutes a game, maybe not. You know, maybe it's time for the Penguins to look at a way where he's out there for 22, 23. I think you pick your spots with stuff like that, but yeah. Over the course of 82 games with his injury history and everything else, you put him in fewer positions and you rely on doing exactly what they did to win the Stanley Cup, which is letting Jacques Martin roll the pairings. Uh, what will they trade to get a number three center? A you, wing? Hang on. Do you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, it won't happen. Uh, why? Because that's just not how... Hockey people, coaches, no, it is, it is, no, no. I mean, not even if you if say because that's the one flaw in hockey. Because Dejan, we've yeah. talked about, I would play Sid and Gino and Latang each like seventy games this year. Yeah. I would make them a healthy scratch on the road on the second game of back to back home and away on NBC games to stick it to the league. Well, that wouldn't be my reasoning. Just it would a be nice, mine. <laughs> that would be just a nice little little uh, sidebar to it, but but that just won't happen because no. because let me tell you. I've talked to these guys enough to know, and I'm speaking, you know, very broadly and metaphorically, yeah. that even though scratching these guys and limiting Latang's minutes might sound good in terms of preparing for the playoffs in April, yep. nothing is more important than two points at Winnipeg next week. That's right, pal. You gotta get those two points. That's the way they're wired. I know. Especially this head coach. There's no question about that. Here, I'll let you have your your show back in a yeah, second. But, I have but, another but question maybe, for you. Maybe he can Maybe he can distinguish himself from the typical hockey coach. Maybe. By, by, he won't. But He won't. That's what I would do. He won't. Here's another one for you. Would, then again, I don't want to be there when they tell Stiddy scratch. No. Would Chris Letang be benched off the first power play unit in favor of Justin Schultz when he comes back? You see, I would handle that. Uh, uh-huh. No, no, listen. <laughs> I would handle that more abstractly. No, let me tell you. For the draws deep in the other zone, yep. I have Schultz out there. Ooh. For the draws everywhere else, I have Latang because he's much better at entries yep. and much better getting the puck up the rink. Great point. Great so, point. You should coach. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, why do some see Duchesne as a fit in Pittsburgh? Because I just don't. I think Duchesne is just the the, the sexy name of of the year, and he has right, the been fantasy going back league to the trade guys, deadline. The hockey yeah, card collector. He's the guy. Does he fit? You know, one thing about Matt Duchesne that gets maybe a little underappreciated is that he's fantastic on faceoffs. He's also very fast, obviously, and has great skill around the net. So what Duchesne could give you, theoretically, is someone who could take defensive zone draws, like we were just talking about there with Latang, get the puck up ice, or at least help in that regard, but also maybe get you your HBK in some form. I mean that in the symbolic yeah, sense. Yeah, in the symbolic you, sense. All you need is the K to have a line like that. And apparently it they didn't, didn't work this year. Well, but something else did. And maybe the HBK way of doing things with having the scoring uh, threats divided up, mm-hmm. maybe that was a fluke. When we're talking about this head coach. Because most coaches don't do it, and when they do, mostly it doesn't work. And this head coach wants desperately to have three scoring lines. He never stopped wanting that, even talked about it in the middle of the Stanley Cup final when he clearly didn't have one. Yeah, well. He's a good coach. He's a good coach, but I think that might be unrealistic. It might be. Not, not a bad thing to strive for. But- what about What about Jordan Stahl? Uh, well, Jason Mackey's reporting that, that the Hurricanes have not talked to the Penguins about Stahl. Well, put it this way, Stahl's people don't know his agent. I would have to get at least a third of a salary paid by them, and maybe more than that. Agents are never in on trade talks. Six million bucks I'm just saying, agents, for a third-line center? 
Agents are never in on trade Why? talks. Why do you think it's Let's a possibility? Let's be clear on that. I think that agents are never in on trade talks. Do you think it's a possibility? Agents are the ones that call reporters and ask them what's going That's on. That's true. In so you think okay. Stall to Pittsburgh is being discussed? I, I don't know if it's being discussed or not. I do know this that if you take Jordan Stahl's salary, as big as it is, right. from Carolina, the one benefit to that is that you don't have to give up nearly as much in hockey value. And Carolina can't afford it. Carolina cannot afford that salary, especially after the guys they've just added. Ron Francis is putting on a heck of a poker face right now. He cannot afford to pay Jordan Stahl. Well, he's rebuilding from the back out. Yep. And he has a great young defense. that's because support. he has good forwards, too. He has. Let's put it this way. Jordan Stahl will not be the number one center in Raleigh this fall. He just won't. Or in Pittsburgh. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to see him come here, but I, like Dejan, I wouldn't. They'd have to pick up. He, he makes $6 million. They'd have to pick up $2 million per year. Yeah. And that and even that, even paying the, the third-line center $4 million per year? Yeah, but what are you basing that on? What, you know, to, to quote you as it relates to the Pirates, why do you care about which money they well, spend? Well, because there's a cap, and I want cap space available in case For more what? moves have to be made. Yeah. I mean, you can always find a way to create other cap space. Yeah, maybe. Uh, it, it depends on what you give back. It's all about well. winning the third consecutive Stanley Cup. Now, how quickly will Sprong and Aston Reese figure into the Penguins' NHL plans, and how much will that affect what they do the rest of this summer? Not very quickly. Uh, the impression that I got at development camp is really impressive, by the way, as both of those kids were, uh, in very different ways. They're very different players. Uh, the feeling among the Penguins' management is they – want and are going to send them down to the American Hockey League almost unconditionally, except for if, if there were some massive wave of injuries. No, no, I agree with that. But, but, but How long forget, do they stay? They did that with Gensel, too. Right. How long do they stay? That's a separate issue. I, I could see them being down there up you know, until like a February or a March with not even that being predetermined. They want them to go down there, both of them, and really show their stuff. Different things. From both of them. They want Sprong to play behind the puck. They wanted him to show that he can take care of his own end to a reasonable extent. Uh, Aston Reese, they just want him to get used to anything that isn't college hockey. He's really jumping up a level here. At least Sprong's yeah. been in the NHL. Yeah, I don't know. Aston Reese, boy, I really like what I see of him. Now, uh, if they trade a wing, who's most likely to go? Oh, I would say Sheary without a doubt because you, you want to always try to sell high on somebody. I don't know that the rest of the league, Mark, would look at Connor Sheary as a 20-goal guy, but guess what? He is a 20-goal guy, and someone's going to look at that and say, hey, here's a 20-goal guy. Well, and I'm I'm a Sheary fan, but the thing is, Gensel's a better version of Sheary, and I'm not sure you necessarily need two guys like that who are yep. both underside, perhaps injury-prone. I mean, I, I'm not for you know looking to just ship Sheary for the sake of trading him, but but yeah, I think he's vulnerable. I, I think he's the one too, and she, and and Gensel not just in these past playoffs, but Gensel overall has shown you a lot more in terms of uh, toughness going to the net. He does believe. I mean, for as small as he is, yeah, he's a real troublemaker in that regard. I think the Penguins have another kid in Josh Archibald who's going to be kind of similar in that sense. Yeah, he's a bottom six though. Period. That's fine. You'll take someone like that on a bottom six. Oh, no. The key is you know? to, to have the bottom half of your roster composed of guys on entry-level contracts yep. who, who work cheap. Yep, and Sheary, and, and it, I mean, as long as you want to throw somebody else in here, and that would be Carl Hagelin, but that's an awful lot of salary for very few goals. Yeah, he, he, he'll just be tough to move. Plus, yep. I'm going to play devil's advocate. His forecheck and speed oh, I'm with you on really helps shape yep. the Penguins' personality no matter how few goals he scores. I am, I am with you on this one. His His... You don't want to call them intangibles, but the difficult-to-measure aspects of his game are, are very much a real thing, especially especially on the penalty killing, and we saw that in full force in Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Final. 
That's Dejan Kovacevic. I'm Mark Madden. It's not time to ask Mark anything. Ask me anything you like about any subject you like. Dial 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. I'll throw that person off the stage. Oh, hey, Mark. Love the stuff. I'll be here for you, just like you've always been here for me. VX at 105.9. Time now to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Chapino Restaurant Cigar Bar. It's the city's very best seafood and shop house, so be sure to check out Chapino on the Strip. Let's go to Luke in North Park. Luke, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mr. Madden. Did you uh, watch the New Japan uh, G1 U.S. special on Saturday? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, why? Was it any good? Oh, it was amazing. So much better than Money in the Bank, and it was free. Oh, it was on Access, right? You see, I don't get Access on, on my Comcast cable, but... Uh, yeah, I'll watch some of the matches at some point, but uh, New Japan's the best wrestling company in the world uh, from top to bottom. But uh, here in the U.S., we have a different version of wrestling So, in our minds, so I'm not sure anybody else will see it the way that I do. Leaves the line open, 412-333-9939. Time to ask Mark anything. Let's talk to Dave in the truck. Dave, ask Mark anything. What's up, Mark? What's up? Hey, what? What's the difference between shots on goal and scoring chances? Uh, scoring chances are assessed uh, subjectively, you know, by by the official. Shots on goal or any puck that either goes in the goal or are stopped by the goalie. Okay. Let's go to Brian and Shaler. Brian, ask Mark anything. Hi, Mark. What do you think of uh, Mark out of Vegas? Oh, he's the guy that came out of nowhere to score all those goals for uh, Florida, right? Yes, sir. And they got him in the expansion draft, right? Yes, sir. Well, the key word there is came out of nowhere, key phrase, rather. I don't know if he's going to get that many goals ever again, let alone playing for an expansion team, but I think Vegas did the right thing taking him, don't you? Yes, I did, but I was wondering your opinion. You think the Penguins would go after him? They seem like they're trading a lot of people people didn't expect. Marchessault's a wing, right? I believe he plays some center, too, but he's played majority wing. They don't need a wing, bro. They don't need a wing. Don't don't assemble a fantasy league team and don't collect hockey cards. Let's go to uh, Josh in Beaver Falls. Josh, ask Mark anything. Hey, buddy, favorite Beach Boy song? Uh, wouldn't it be nice? Ah, good choice. And I Not think that's the best song off just a groundbreaking album, which is, of course, Pet Sounds. I couldn't agree more, buddy. Thanks, man. Let's go to uh, Daryl in Beaver County. Daryl, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, what's your favorite 30 for 30 special on ESPN? You know, I saw that question up on my call board. And that that's tough because a lot of the 30 for 30s are incredibly overrated. Don't you agree? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of them are kind of fluff. But, but some of them have been terrific. Now... The one that had the most resonance with me was Hillsborough. Okay. Which was the one about the uh, the stadium overcrowding disaster in England in 1989 that uh, saw 96 Liverpool fans, you know, which of course is my team, Liverpool fans lose their lives. Uh, I got to tell you, even though it was a maximum overdrive type, it had, I think, four parts. How about the OJ Made in America 30 for 30? Good one. Yep, one of the 
one of my top three. Just, just unbelievable. I find myself, even I'm not a basketball fan, I found myself watching the Celtics Lakers one quite a bit. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I, oh, I love I love the one. What was it? The two uh, the two Escobars about the Colombian soccer player who got murdered by gangsters after he put an own goal into his own net in the World Cup against America. Yeah. What about uh, Fernando Valenzuela? Uh, Fernando Mania. It was okay. It was okay. I mean, that to me is too obvious a topic. You know, I mean, how many times do I... I, I lived through that story. So uh, most of them are really good, though. I mean, uh, they're very well made, and you have to credit that, even if the subject isn't necessarily something you're down with. Let's go to uh, John and Cranberry. John, ask Mark anything. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Terrific. Just wonder what your thoughts on Eric Stahl as a third-line center option. Is he a free agent right now? He's under contract for two more years, but $3.5 million a year. So if you're trading for a third-line center, it could be an option. Well, he's still in Minnesota, right? He's still with Minnesota, yes. Why would Minnesota necessarily want to trade him? Good point. But just, If they feel they're close to winning, and I believe by the moves they've made, they do think that, they wouldn't want to trade Eric Stahl. Let's go to... Uh, Bill on the road. Bill, ask Mark anything. Hey, good evening, Mark. How are you? Good evening. Hey, of all keyboard players in Rock, where would you put Keith Emerson? Oh, he's right near the top. I think Rock's a really tough uh, genre with which to evaluate keyboard players, don't you? Uh, Yeah, that's true. But for me, the all-time best was John Lord from Deep Purple, uh, did a stint with White Snake. I don't think anybody added texture to a song with keyboards the way the late John Lord did. Let's go to Steve in Monroeville. Steve, ask Mark anything. Big Sexy, what up? What up, man? Did you ever hear the Beach Boys song that was allegedly written by Charles Manson? Yeah, what's it called? Never Learn Not to Love. Uh, If I've heard it, I don't remember. Amazingly, I, I don't listen to Charlie Manson music all that often. That's it. I'm done. I'm back to work. I'll be back tomorrow, too. 105.9 The X.